Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Straight out of Austin, Texas, it's On Second Thought, powered by Hook'em.com, with your hosts, statesman sports columnists, Cedric Golden and Kirk Bowles. Often imitated, never duplicated. Hear it here first on Second Thought. On Second Thought, episode 274, brought to you by Hook'em.com, our good friends at Bud Light. Cedric Golden here with the Duck, Kirk Bowles. Duck, the Longhorns went out to the South Plains and came back with an L, 37-34, overtime loss to Texas Tech. And when bad things happen, we bring in good people like Rob Babers, an All-American at Texas, a legend. He is the host of Ball Don't Lie with our friend Mike Harge. Hardball, Harge. Uh, weekdays 3 to 7 on 104.9, The Horn. What's up, Rob B? Hey, what's up, fellas? I appreciate y'all having me on, man. It's uh, Groundhog Day. Just trying to get through. <laughs> feels like as a Longhorn fan. Oh, what was that, Sonny and Chair? They say I love, can't pay the rent. Every day, Bill Murray. Oh <laughs> so, Rod B, is the sky falling? <laughs> um, okay, I don't think it's falling. I'll say this, though. Coming up, this West Virginia game, because I hate to call something a must-win this early in his tenure. What is it, his 17th game? And we can't yep. start using the must-win term already. But I will say he, it's a can't-lose game. Right. That's great. <laughs> can't lose game because this is what's going to happen, guys. And you guys remember this, right? It doesn't listen. CDC and and and, and Kevin Eltife and you know Jay Hart, so doing a great job behind the scenes. They're not going to panic just yet. So if something happens crazy in a West Virginia game and Texas loses, he, they're not going to fire Sark. That's not happening. Right. Uh, could there be staff changes? Certainly, <laughs> but Sark Sark's not going anywhere. But what what I think Sark's in danger of, and I remember when this happened with Tom Herman. Early on, you can lose the trust of the fan base mm-hmm. and you can lose the trust of, you know, the lifetime Longhorns like myself early on. The, those two Maryland losses, man, there was some Longhorn fans that never, ever <laughs> let Tom Herman live that down. Even after beating Georgia, they were like, yeah, he's still that guy that lost to Maryland though, twice. Don't forget Back to that. back, yeah. Exactly, right? So I think for Tom Herman, just from learning from the Tom Herman experience, for Sark, if you want to still be able to retain the trust of the fan base, it is a crucial game in terms of being able to beat an opponent who everybody agrees, Vegas included, that you're better than, even with Hudson Card at quarterback. Yeah, Tom had his Maryland's, Charlie, and and now Sark have their Kansas, okay? (laughs) <laughs> Which is a lot worse in some people's minds. I'd much rather hey, lose. Kansas is playing well now, guys. Hey, that Kansas, that Kansas loss is not looking so bad. Uh, looking so I know, but that was last year. They weren't four and zero last year. <laughs> and all of a sudden, that November the fourth game, that November, oh my, oh, oh my God, oh, no. that's that's looking like a, a a tough road trip. That used to be, ah, uh, you know, we'll hit the casino. And oh no, do some paddle boarding. Both of them, guys. I'm worried okay. about that state now, too. Yeah, that's scary. <laughs> I had to ask you this right up. 
I was thinking about you watching the game. I was I was at the Aggie game. Thank God I didn't get to have to go to Lubbock, but mm-hmm. Kirk always hogs that trip. But anyway, I was I was thinking about you and how tough you, know, you are a smaller player to figure out a, a way to play a big man's game and play it at a high level, make all American, get to the NFL. Did anyone ever go for it eight times on fourth down on any team you played on? Guys, I, I said it after the game. I've never heard of it at the college or the pro level. I will admit, though, Dan Campbell did go for it this past weekend with the Lions six times. So <laughs> He's crazy, though. And he yeah. goes with the Lions. <laughs> exactly. But I do think there's a similar mentality where you feel like you got nothing to lose. Yeah, yeah. And you could tell that, you know, Joey McGuire, I think they, call, they start calling him uh, Joe Me the Money. Um, Joey, Goey, Jerry, uh, yes, yeah, all those different nicknames he's earned now. Uh, I'll give him a ton of credit, guys. I did not see that happening. I don't think there was any way for Sark and the staff to prepare for that. There was no way to game plan for that because I don't think it's ever happened. I've never seen it happen. Um, the thing you can hold them accountable for is allowing them to be so successful going for it eight times. It was clear from the beginning of the game, from the first drive, that Joey McGuire was going to be a riverboat gambler. He was going to be aggressive uh, mm-hmm. as, it, as, it, as the situation called for. And Sark on the other side, unfortunately, I think his feel for the game was a little off in this contest. And he got a little bit more conservative as the game went on for different reasons x-man going down different things like that uh, but you got to give Jordan McGraw some credit Texas defended 100 plus plays most of that I think 20 I counted 23 extra plays as a result of those fourth down conversions they allowed uh you go look at 27 points on five scoring drives as a result of those six fourth down conversions guys that was the game Joey oh, McGuire yeah. wore out the defense with extra plays and kept Sark's offense off the field. That was the game. He won that game for his team with that aggressive. We would have called it reckless if they'd have lost the game. Yeah. We yes. won it, so we call it aggressive. The loss of disrespect, though. You yes, don't see that to anybody. Yes. You're and just, after the game, and who, in that, who in that huddle's like, look, man, I'm going to kick somebody in the testicles. I got I, I to gotta get a personal foul. They got to feel me. If you're getting beat up in a fight, you hit somebody low to get them off of you. And for me, I just couldn't believe that they kept doing it. And no one in that, I mean, DeMarvion overshot, fresh legs. He still defended 60 plays. He still defended 60 plays. And guys, think about this. After the game, we know now that was part of Joey McGuire's plan. Yeah. He said, said, listen, they'll, they'll break. I told you they would break. I told you they would. And I think part of that strategy was, hey, man, we're going to keep them on the field. We're going to keep those guys on the field. We'll keep exposing them. And, and sooner or later, you know, they'll break and they'll give you an opportunity to win the game in the fourth quarter. And we all know that's become, unfortunately, a habit for Sark now. We're talking about his fifth fourth quarter lead. We're talking, he's got nine losses on the 40 acres. And out of those nine losses, five of those, you're at a fourth quarter lead. One time, guys, that's an outlier, an aberration. Twice is coincidence. Three times is a pattern. Four times is a trend. Five times, that's a habit. That's who you that's are. A, and that's a problem. That's the Rim start calling him 7-Eleven. He can't close. Can't close. No. <laughs> he can't close. No. No. <laughs> and and here's the ugliest stat. I was, uh, you know, and I, I wrote in today's paper, got to start Queen yours. We'll get to that in a minute. Yeah. Seven and nine in his first 16 games at Texas. Guess who else was seven and nine? In his first 16. 
Charlie Strong, oh, seven oh. nine oh, in no. his first sixteen games. Except Chuck was five and five in conference, and Sark, <laughs> three, and Sark is three and seven. So that doesn't that doesn't cut it. That Charlie lost it. his quarterback first game. Yeah, he did. Sark doesn't have that excuse now. Casey Thompson played with a thumb injury, and Quinn Ewers is gone. But Texas Tech beat him with their backup quarterback. Amen, brother. So you can't your really beat that. And your he played, played good. Darn good. Well. Best game of his life, probably, Donovan Smith. Looked like Lamar Jackson out there. But, I mean, you hit on it, Rod, about we knew they would break. That's, a, that's the perception now. And don't you think everybody Texas plays is going to feel that way when you keep coughing up leads in the fourth quarter? And how do you change it? How do you – just transform this team when that's the perception. Yeah. Um, and it's interesting, you know, everybody keeps going back to the Bama game, right? And it's like, everybody wants that Bama energy. Can we get that? Can we get that yeah. Bama energy back? And Every I week. think one of the things that, you know, just psychologically looking, I think one of the things they did, they prepared for Bama in the off season, three, four months of prep, right? Sure. Uh, so they'd have them ready to play. But yeah. psychologically, guys, you know, similar to the, I hate to bring up Tom Herman again, but right. Remember Tom Bo Herman, right? He <laughs> performed well in the bowl games and everybody would go, where's that Team, where was that team? Can we get that team every week? Uh, but you couldn't, right? Because that's a different circumstance. Bowl game, there's not a lot of pressure in the bowl games. It's an exhibition right. game. You got extra time to prepare. The guys don't have to go to class. They're away from class. So there's there's a lot less pressure. And more importantly, no expectations. Right. I go back to the Bama game, and there weren't a lot of high expectations for Texas. If no. people just wanted to get blown out. Don't be embarrassed. That was the expectation. Don't be embarrassed. Just don't that's embarrass right. And, and then, and that meant a lot less pressure on those guys, right? Pressure to perform. And they went out there like Tom Bo Herman's teams and played relaxed and free and confident. And we're like, that's the team. Play like that every week. But we know football is week to week, guys. Oh, and yeah. there's pressure. There's a, you, you were supposed to beat uh, Texas Tech. That was a lot of pressure and expectation on you. And sometimes under pressure, what happens? People end up, you know, playing at a, as at a subpar level, it affects them mentally. It affects them psychologically, spiritually. Some guys just don't perform well under pressure. They put too much pressure on themselves. My man Sims used to do it, right? Took too much pressure on yourself to perform. And I think psychologically, I think that's something Sark's got to look at. The way his team performed versus Bama, it wasn't all game plan and preparation. They played with a, a spiritual kind of uh, reinvigorated uh, purpose as a team. And I think part of it was they played with freedom. They played confident. They weren't worried about the expectations and the pressure uh, playing to a standard. They were like, no, no, let's go out there and let's just, you know, uh, play, play football and let's not pretty much not embarrass ourselves. And they played at a really high level. And now you get to the Texas Tech game against an inferior opponent. And yet you don't get that same carefree, confident play from the team. What changed? What's different? Well, number one, they were on the road. That's part of it. And Sark's teams have been bad on the road, actually, historically, too. That's something yeah. to talk about. But yep. also, I think the pressure affects this team. It does. And what's, what's bigger pressure than being up double digits at halftime in the same quarter? It's like, oh, man, that's pressure because you got to oh, yeah. close. And there's something about the pressure of closing that psychologically affects this team. And think about it, guys. Tom Herman had 50 games. I think Kyle Umlang had this stat. 50 games and only four times did he surrender – uh, a halftime lead and end up losing the game, which Sark That's has great. already happened. It's happened five times in 16 games. Now, so, guys, let's not normalize this yeah. type of losing. 
Long if it's like, oh, he needs more time. Guys, first year coaches don't lose like that. No. That's normalizing a type of losing that doesn't only, hell, 80% of the teams last season that had a halftime lead won their games in 2021. That's awesome. What the hell's going on with Texas? It's hard to lose a game when you're up at halftime. It's, it's systemic. It's systemic. There's yes. something going on in the system. But there's no pressure. I'm going to tell you guys, if, if Barack Obama is coming to my house for dinner and I know yeah. three months in advance, this house is going to be so shined up. Um, Yard is going to be mowed. And, and <laughs> I'm, I'm going to take five baths and two showers, get a new suit. Yeah. But you know what? But if, but, but if Mike, the janitor from, you know, <laughs> from Texas State, Wants to come over and and in order a pizza with me. I'm gonna have my shorts on. I might take a shower. It's like when I come get over for Bama. It's like when I come get over up for Bama. And and Duck, you were there the Monday after that game. I go, all right. It was easy to get up for Alabama, Sark. But how are you gonna get them up for UTSA? How are you gonna get them up for Texas Tech? And and you gave the coach speak answer. But guess what? They didn't play very well in either one of those games. Of a full game, not a minute, energy. They were up for Tech. I wouldn't use that in Lubbock because they were up. They came out, and scored on the first drive, and you wouldn't say they duck, were. They're, duck, they're up for everybody in the first half. You got to stay up. Oh, they, no, they were up for Tech in the first half. You got UTSA. No, but you got to stay up. You got. Yeah, but here's up. the thing, Rod. I want to ask you this. You said when you're up two touchdowns. And it's four minutes left in the third quarter. To me, you tell me, you're the athlete. That shouldn't be pressure. To me, I'm thinking as an athlete like you were and your teammates, it's like, man, let's bury them. We got them right where I would. If they're if they're feeling pressure up two touchdowns, man, you got the wrong players. It seems to me. Is that wrong, Ron? <laughs> oh no, that's a great point. But see, I don't remember ever in my tenure. Maybe it happened, but I don't remember uh, when I played ever losing a game after being <laughs> up halftime or in the fourth quarter. Never right. you lost like five game, five or six games the whole time you were on campus, though. Exactly. So so I do think, Kirk, you're right. But now it's in their head. You don't think they know the stats? They know the stats. They know. They lived it. They, they really know it. They know, man, we're up at halftime again. Oh, Ooh, man, we, can't, we, go again. we can't lose this game. And, yeah, here we go again. So yeah. I do think there is a sports psychology element to this thing now. It wasn't before, but now there is. Because now, like I said, it's become habitual, and it is in their head, whether you believe it or not, Sark, oh, it's yeah. in their head. They're thinking about it. They're now, thinking Joey, about it they're up. We had Joey McGuire on our podcast last week, remember, said, he said, yeah, we've got two sports psychologists, and we have one full-time sports psychologist on our team that's devoted just to football. Yep. And I don't know if Sark needs a psychologist. I think he probably does. I bet it they is have them. I bet they have them. They have yeah. everything over there. Yeah. Well, it, it, it's probably being addressed. I'm just saying, I do think there's a psychological element to it. I, you know, and I, as a former player, I can tell you that's something they're thinking about. But more, I think what is to me more troubling is that we did see a lot of the same issues that affected the team last year that carried right. over into that tech game. And the thing for me, that's, I think most, uh, it upsets me, right? It's just upsetting to me, honestly, is that Sark, I thought Sark had the man in the mirror moment last year after you get these double-digit leads against good teams, guys. Oh, against, you're talking about top-ranked teams, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, and Baylor, really right. good teams. 
that Sark would, and, and I think his staff, I'll give all of them credit, they would win the battle of game plan and preparation, which means you'd have a, you basically win the first half, right? And, and what do we know about Sark? He has 20 of his first plays are scripted, right? right. So basically, you're, by the time you get off your scripted plays, it's probably midway through the second quarter, somewhere around there, or you know maybe the end of the first quarter, depending on how many drives you have early on. And But what I would criticize Sark for is that when he would get up in his leads, he would go into a conservative shell. Mm-hmm. a bit in terms of his play calling. And I started to track it because I'm a football nerd and I would track different uh, themes with the Steve Sarkeesian offense. I call them cheat codes, force multipliers. He, what he does, his offense is an assemblage of these different concepts, formations, and personnel packages. Uh, and they're, and they're, they're based on, you know, uh, trying to confuse and overload the central nervous system of the defense. Give them too much information to process in a short time. And that's right. why early on in games, you see guys running wide open. You're like, Keelan Robinson, he's wide open. How did the defense <laughs> lose him? Oh, man, look at, uh, look at X-Man. He's wide open. How did they lose him? Because he's combining all these different force multipliers, confusing the defense, and giving them too much information to process. So what I do is I, take, I extract all these little force multipliers and, and cheat codes, and I track them all throughout the game. And what I found is last year, during the losing streak, <clears throat> He used fewer of these force multipliers. For instance, he used fewer or fewer, a lower rate of pre-snap motion, a, a lower rate of multi-back sets, your two tailback sets, the stuff we like, right? A lower uh, rate of bunch formations, lower rate of empty sets, a uh, lower rate of all these different things that give his offense a huge advantage in the game. And, I, and basically, I tracked it last year, and it, it tracked all throughout the losing streak. He got more conservative in the, in the second half compared to the first half during the losing streak, especially in those games where they were up big. Tech, tech, tech game, same thing, guys. It was the exact same thing. Yeah. All the things that got Texas the lead early on, the empty formations, the multi-back sets, the, a, a lot of pre-snap motion, all these different things, right? The force multipliers we talk about, 6-0 line package that he uses now with Andre Carrick. You had less or lower rates of those concepts compared to the first half when you looked at the second half. And to me, that is the biggest issue affecting Texas right now offensively. Sark needs to be more aggressive when he gets these leads more aggressive in the second half and he actually is becoming less aggressive. And when the other coach across the sideline is going for it on fourth down eight times, he's becoming more aggressive and you're becoming more conservative. Right. That's, that's not, it's not a good formula to win. And that emboldens the other coach. He sees running dimes. You're up 31, 17, you're running it three times. He's got to keep his foot on the gas. That's, that's what just keep your foot on the gas. And, and no question. And now you got Texas tech, Talking ish about <laughs> about how how things have changed in the Big Twelve. Listen to what he what uh, Joey McGuire said. I told you they were going to break, and they did. Yes, I told you they were going to break, and did. The reporter asked me at the end, says, "What's it mean to win this game and beat Texas?" I said, it "Doesn't mean anything. Beat Texas. We're one and zero in the Big 12. Yeah. That's what it means. The country's going to find out. Everything runs through Lubbock. Everything runs through Lubbock. It runs through Lubbock now. It runs through Lubbock, baby. Yeah. Nothing runs far. through Lubbock. Winter's Nothing far. runs through Lubbock. That's for sorry. a beat. Tumbleweeds <laughs> run through Lubbock. Desert runs through Lubbock. Hey, Bad weather does. runs through Lubbock. Big it 12 football titles do not run through Lubbock. They've never even played in a Big 12 title game. So, come on. 
I love the I love him being the hype man. I mean, I was looking for Flavor Flav over on the side with a clock. I mean, God, that's what I was looking for because he, he's he's a hype man, and I I love the confidence. I love they came on the podcast. But Jordan McGuire is crazy. He thinks anything's running through love. Hey, he's one and oh, one and oh. Winners talk. And right, say anything talk. about it. maybe maybe Rod instead of scripting twenty plays, he needs to script sixty plays. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> script the whole damn game. Like in a video game. <laughs> the problem with that is is there's a chess match going on within the game between right. those coordinators and they're making adjustments, right? You you got me on, you know, the, the Keelan Robinson touchdown where you got uh, one of their linebackers uh, out of position because their eyes got caught up in the backfield. Well, it's right. hard to get them on that a second time, but maybe sure. you should break it out maybe. again just to see. You Who might. knows? It might work. Uh, but the, the, that's what I think Sark is suffering with a little bit is anticipating the opponent's adjustments, then being able to have that counter ready to go. Um, so, you know, I think ultimately uh, for Sark, Next time this situation happens where he's up big in the game, mm-hmm. um, I do want to see if he'll get more aggressive. That's this is definitely a trend that he's noticed, guys. He's a smart, he's a smart guy. guy. He's a smart and guy. They got, they got people on their staff that's doing exactly what I'm doing. They notice all this stuff. So why are they still following the same path as last season in similar situations when it led inevitably to losses? And they're doing the that. same I- thing. I got to ask, because I wasn't at the game, did uh, Keelan Robinson get called um, for targeting? Um, Might as well. Because, no, because well. After, after, <laughs> after he scored, I didn't see him again. Uh, he did, played, did, but they didn't target him. Is he sitting out the first half? Is he sitting out the first half this week? I, I missed that. No. Who the hell was Keelan Robinson after that play? He pulled a DJ Monroe on him. I mean, where was he? If it works. Keep using it. And I don't. I think Bijan needs more touches than 17. He's your best player, and Worthy is maybe your next best player. He's not there. So now you really need to get the ball more to Bijan and get it wide and throw some regular screen passes. And, golly, Texas Tech ate him up with those crossing routes. Miles Price, 13 catches, 17 targets. You know, he was their best player, he and Donovan Smith. And you use your best players. I And I just – I'm ready to see some anger like you have, Rod. I'm just yeah, where's, Quandre, where's Quandre Dog saying we need some dogs? <laughs> where are the dogs? You know, I love those guys Quandre. are they're they're angry. I can't listen, they they are angry and upset. Even Sark talked about that. Um, but I do think, you know, when I looked at those fourth downs, I looked at all of them, man. It went back to look schematically. Was there something the coaches could have done to put those defensive players in a better position? Mm. I would say that I didn't find much to criticize about the scheme and the strategy defensively on those fourth downs. God, there were guys in position to make plays on at least four of those six downs. That Donovan Smith touchdown, he just bowled over them. They yeah, were they just, exactly. Their yeah. guys were just better than your guy on that play, on that down. So guys yeah. were there, and they just didn't make the plays, guys. So, I mean, that's that's as a player, I would tell you, you got to get off the field. You got to yeah. get off the field. You get to a third and a fourth down, it's time to celebrate because we're getting off the field. And I don't think there's enough uh, priority, enough urgency about getting off the field from those guys. Yeah. And I, I do think a little bit of it was, you know, that was great strategy by Texas Tech. Listen, if Donovan Smith, a guy who had been the most turnover prone quarterback in college football two weeks yeah. prior to your game, he had five I've interceptions, 
right? He had uh, one in, one pick six in each of the Latin, the two weeks yeah. prior to playing Texas. And so, you pressured him. Guys, you pressured him 44 times, according to Pro Football Focus, on 24 snaps, 52% of the t- his dropbacks, you put pressure on him. And he didn't turn the ball over one time. That's crazy. So, that's crazy, right? So what does that mean? People are like, well, what does that mean? First of all, Keandre Colburn, Tavondre Sweat, those guys did a good job. We got to start giving the D-line a little bit of credit because they're creating pressure. Now, last year, you were 108th in the country mm-hmm. in pressure rate. Those guys are now putting pressure on opposing quarterbacks. Max mm-hmm. graded out like the, as the fifth best defensive lineman in the country this week. Exactly. Like that D-line, Bo Davis, they're putting in some work. Here's the problem, though. When they got pressure, Donovan Smith knew exactly where the pressure was coming from. Mm-hmm. Now, he was under duress but he was never confused, right? He was never discombobulated. You said, go, go watch the film and look how calm he looks in the pocket. Even when the pressure's coming, he knows where it's coming from because it was organic pressure. They blitzed less than 20% of the time. The, the, the thing with blitzing is, you know, if you can get organic pressure, great, get organic pressure. The problem with that is if you don't get home, it's predictable pressure. The quarterback knows exactly where those guys are coming from. Blitzes, they're coming from all over the place. Yeah, right? blindside, yes. You get exotic, yeah. And with a guy like Donovan Smith, PK should have noticed, hey, man, this guy's way too calm. He's t- picking us apart with these high percentage passes. We got to start coming from crazy places. We yeah. got to bring some exotic looks. We need to confuse him, not just pressure him, confuse him. And they didn't do enough of that. That was my big uh, probably criticism of PK in the plan. And listen, give uh, Zach Keeley credit. When PK made his adjustment to play tighter coverage, bring Jaron Thompson down, and they started getting their hands on footballs, and they started disrupting uh, Donovan Smith a little bit, what they do? They went after them Texas linebackers guys in coverage. Mm-hmm. Went after them. They don't cover very well. Yep. They don't cover 50, well. 50% of his uh, passing yards came at targeting linebackers. And yeah. you don't think that TJ Daniels and Graham Harrell are going to do that. You're crazy. I would go after them Texas linebackers in coverage all day, every day, and twice on Sunday. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what West Virginia is going to do. Yeah. What do you think about West Virginia? They got some good receivers, Bryce Ford Wheaton. and They do. And- and some other guys and JT Jones, they got CJ Donaldson at running back. He's an old tight end. He's like yeah. 240, they say. He looks like 260. But <laughs> what do you expect? Easy. And and they lead Texas all time, 11 games. West Virginia's won six of them, six and five. So wow, I didn't realize the that. They get after the horns. Um, I, I will say I, I like the way uh, JT Daniels has looked lately. He looked a little shaky early on. Yeah, and he did. I, I think he's he only got two interceptions. And I think one of those was like a tip pass, a drop pass by his wide receiver. Remember in that, right. uh, in that loss early this season, they didn't know about CJ Donaldson early on. They found him what around game two and he's right. averaging over seven yards per carry. No, he's, he's a, a man. load. He's he a load. Is guys. A load. Yeah, uh, find so, him at least though. They'll be yeah, able to find him. <laughs> what are you going to do with him when you get your hands on him? That's exactly. I mean. But I like the Texas D line. They played really well, and the, the Texas linebackers have actually been pretty stout against the run. So mm-hmm. it'll be a big test for them. But at least you don't have to worry about a mobile quarterback, guys. The mobile quarterback has been eating Texas alive the for last years. few weeks. For years. For years, exactly, right? So Donovan Smith and Frank Harris, even Bryce Young, right? Remember yeah. he's scrambling? So it's been a lot of uh, quarterback uh, quarterback run game, whether it be design runs or scrambles that have gotten a lot of first downs, especially last week. You don't have to worry about that with JT Daniels. That is great. Right. That'll make life a whole lot easier on PK and the defense. At least you know where the quarterback's going to be yeah. all the time. And when you put pressure on him organically, there's a good chance he won't be able to avoid it as well as some of the quarterbacks have the last couple of weeks. So I like, and they're missing their, I believe they're, they're starting cornerback. One of the starting cornerbacks is going to be out. I'll get that name, but 
uh, I believe that's also going to be something helpful to Texas, even though you might be missing X-Man too. Speaking of quarterbacks, just, you know, I mean, I wrote it today. You got to start playing yours now. You can't, you can't, you can't be resting on your yeah. laurel. It's time to push those chips in the middle of the table. It's a must win. You call it a, a, a can't lose. I'm calling can't it a must lose. win. It's crossroads <laughs> game. And and if the queen yours that played against Alabama is ready to go, you can't you can't try to Hudson Card out there again. You gotta play your you gotta play your. Hey, he's not the problem though. Hudson Card wasn't. Not the problem. He wasn't. He wasn't. He played well. He yep. did play well. But is he as good as Queen Yours? No. But no. you could have won that game in Tech with with Hudson Card. He played well enough to win that game. Yeah, and the truth is, if he plays like that against West Virginia, you still. Right. have a really good chance to win based on him because he won't be the problem. He's not a liability at this point. But the Kim Kardashian, Nicki Minaj, Serena Williams size, Cardi B size, Lizzo size, but my <laughs> man said goaded, you're right. At this point, because it is a can't lose situation for Sark, <laughs> you got to put Quinn Ewers out there because the but, offense changes completely. Yeah. As a defender, I have to defend more blades of the grass. I've watched on film him make throws that usually as a DB, I wouldn't have to defend. I usually, if he's on the far hash and I'm, and, you know, he's, and he's, def- he's throwing a, an out route to the, you know, to the far sideline over here. That's um, that's usually, yeah, usually I wouldn't have to defend that, but you got to defend that against Quinn Ewers. No. You gotta, so it opens up the offense, uh, I think, to another level and it adds different dimensions. So I'm with Sadie Bear, man. You got to play him. You got to. I don't. I don't care if he's 75, 80. You got to put him out there. It's his, left shoulder. it's his left shoulder. Put some, put right some Loba Tussin on that clavicle. <laughs> yes. Do what you got to do. Put some Tussin on that clavicle. Hey, man, we're in the world now. You ain't student athletes uh, like you used to be. Hey, man. Uh, he, <laughs> hey, yeah. Money, yeah. He get, hey, I'm just saying he's getting compensated well, so can it's get, all good. It's can all I get good. Some, can I get some of that St. David's NIL money if you're going <laughs> to put me out there? Give me hey, some of that. Give me that collection. Rod, what do you think of the offensive line? Did they take a big step backward? That interior offensive line didn't block real well. Uh, I think we got to give a lot of credit to Texas Tech's defensive front, too. I think that oh, we do. they got a good defense. Yeah, their tech, that, that rush defense is better than we thought. It, it, yeah. it, I don't know if it's for real, but it's better. Than, it's one of the better rush defenses in the Big 12. Yeah, I agree. And by the way, West Virginia's no joke either. I the, 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 the problem with the Texas running game, and it has been the case all year long, they cannot get into a rhythm. There's no rhythm to it. They allow so many, they allow negative plays sporadically, and that throws the running game completely out of rhythm. And when you have backs like Bijan and Rojo, honestly, you don't notice it as much, but it would be even more glaring if they weren't both NFL running backs and really talented guys. How many times have we seen Bijan in the backfield avoid a play, spin, and then get extra yardage when there was no yardage? Rojo, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They're that good. I'm so impressed with Rojo. I I I think he's an NFL player. Oh, yeah. He walks yeah. through there, and you don't you don't get until you see how he's tall. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's tall and he's mean, versatile. He's he's uh-huh. gonna play. He's gonna be a special teams demon as a rookie, and yeah. then he's gonna end up being a a great running back, a great backup running back at the very yeah. least in that league. He might play ten years in the league. He might. Yep. Yeah. He might. I see him doing like Chris Obanaya did. Remember Chris Obanaya had a career? Oh, yeah. Hell, Rojo might be drafted, might be undrafted, but he's going to make a roster. I'm with you on that. Yeah. Where where do you think the fan base is right now, Rod? They're sitting there two and two, and like you say, seven and nine. 
and you're 0-2 against Power 5 teams. So what what do you think the Longhorn Nation's expectations are the rest of the year? Oh, with Quinn Ewers, I mean, the hope is with Quinn Ewers right now. Because yeah. every Longhorn fan I talk to is like, ah, no, wait till we get Quinn back, though. It's going to fix everything, right? So having Quinn there will fix everything. And, you know, I, I, I do think having Quinn there, they play a different brand of inspired football. I think offensively, Sark's a different play caller, whether he wants to admit it or not. Oh, He's yeah. a different play caller when Quinn Ewers is in there, right? Definitely. He's a more Definitely. confident play caller. So I think everybody, they, they really do benefit from the, the swagger that he brings to the table. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's the quarterback position means something different for everybody for coaches it's job security for administration tell this Jersey sales and the face of the program, the franchise to the fans. It's usually hope. Yeah. Quarterback means hope. That means, Hey man, we got a shot. And Quinn Ewers does give you a shot. The big 12 is wide open guys. We no, thought, listen, all of us said before the season started, Oh man, the big 12, five different teams can win the big 12. Mm-hmm. We didn't think about Kansas. Yeah. So, <laughs> now you got six, and we we think about tech starting off this well. So now you got seven teams that could potentially win the Big Twelve now. <laughs> exactly, you know it runs through Lubbock. You know that. So, I got to ask before we get out of here. Um, my first, uh, <laughs> I love Joey McGuire. My first year on the B Rob B. Um, you guys went out to Lubbock and 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 Cliff Kingsbury threw six touchdown passes. Uh, I remember, bro. They weren't on your side of the field. I remember. <laughs> I charted that day. He stayed away from 21, but he threw six and they stormed the field, but didn't, but didn't nobody get knocked down or anything like that. What did you think of that, that melee and Ovi Agofu getting knocked down by that, by that clown? I I don't know if they even found him yet. They haven't Uh, found him yet, I don't think. mm -mm. What what, what do you think about that? And and Uh, what do you think about, about what happened there and the fact that Texas Tech on the other side of their mouths going, and we still want to play you every year? I mean, <laughs> no, I'll say this. First of all, going back to what you said about losing there in 02 with West, against Wells Welker and Cliff Kingsbury, game always haunts me because, yeah, I played a, a, a decent, good game that, that game, but I should have stepped up as a senior and I should have said, Coach Aquino, let me take Wells Welker. And I never yeah. did. And I and to this day, it haunts me. I think that would have been a little, I don't know if it would have made a difference, but, you know, it possibly could have their best going up against our best, or I thought yeah. I was the best. Hell, we had really good players then, but we had a lot of injuries that day too. A lot of guys went down mm-hmm. and I never stepped up and I thought about it after the game, still think about it today. I should have been more of a leader and stepped up and said, no, nah, I'm taking Wes Walker. I, everybody else, y'all figure it out. Y'all young bucks. It's all right. I got him. And I never <laughs> did. So just so you know, I'll put that full disclosure. That haunts me. Nice. Um, but getting back to your question about, you know, what I think about Ovia Gofu, um, listen, rushing the field, they deserve to rush the field. So I'm all about it. It was great. Mm. You know, if you don't want to rush the field, win the damn game. <laughs> like, that's how I feel. And it is, it is dangerous, I guess. I mean, you yeah. would think that there's be some, um, you know, some class for on um, both parts. Like I, I respect the fact that y'all are rushing the field as fans, but it's respect, my, you know, my, you know, respect me as a player, right. Sure. And respect my personal space. Try to, if you do bump into me, I, I saw a video of Michael Taft was like pushed into a young lady. Um, right. They tried to make a big deal out of it. And then the young lady went on social media and said, oh, Michael Taft apologized. He yeah. said somebody pushed him into me. He went and apologized and said, hey, I'm sorry. Are you okay? All that kind of stuff. And she wanted to make sure that she set the record straight. And you would think there'd be that type of 
exchange, that type mm-hmm. of mutual respect between the fans and the opposing players. Like I see y'all gave y'all all out there. I respect yeah. the fans. I want them to march, you know, to march on the field and to storm the field and have a good time, but just, you know, have a little mutual respect for each other. And I think it should be okay. You shouldn't need security and reprimands and fines and all that kind mm-hmm. of stuff. College football is about the fans and about, you know, the, the, the student athletes and the players. And every now and then there are these beautiful moments where they do get to, you know, interact. Um, yeah. And it, it, it should be something that's not considered malicious or dangerous. And it should be something that's considered a little bit more, you know, honest and beneficial for all involved. But um, I thought Obia Gofu conducted himself really well. I mean, I, I can't tell you that I wouldn't have lost it a little bit. I'm already <laughs> mad and angry. Somebody pushed me from behind. I probably would have yeah. turned around and had something to say about it uh, and probably would have confronted them. But he's a young man. He's got a lot of self-discipline. So give him credit for that. Yeah, or, that. Or, or, or Ovi was afraid of that guy. I mean, uh, I doubt it. No. The frat daddy? No. Oh, <laughs> Ovi ain't afraid. Ovi, Ovi it's those nice ones you got to watch. Ovi's not afraid of anybody. That's what yeah. I say. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. 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 But it's all extra fueled by the whole SEC thing. People, you know, hate yeah. Texas, want to beat Texas. And now that, you know, Texas and OU kind of left them in the lurch, it even fuels it even more. And it, it's great for college football and pedantry, and it's terrible. For college football because i just don't know how you control it i really don't you don't yeah there is no control in it i don't think i, I really yeah. don't i just think you have to hope that both parties have like i said the mutual yeah. respect factor in yeah there. no you're right you're right and it's been uh, man always a pleasure just dropping knowledge and and just just looking at the game from angles that normal people just don't look at it and it's educational it's fun and it's always a pleasure man and Look forward to chopping it up again. Hopefully the next time under a few better circumstances no doubt. and a loss in <laughs> Lubbock. No one likes losing in Lubbock. Nobody. Hey, but I, you know what? I, it happened to me. So I, I, I'm not going to judge too much. It happened to me. Crazy things happen in Lubbock, man. All, that's Maybe. why I'm happy that Texas is moving on and won't have to play in Lubbock anymore. Because <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I'm tired of losing in Lubbock every now and then. Because it's heartbreaking to lose in Lubbock, man. It's it, never, it never should happen. Man, appreciate it. Don't have any more nightmares about Wes Welker, okay? (laughs) (laughs) All right, brothers. Take care. We love you. See you. See ya. On Second Thought. Duck, always a pleasure to talk to Rod Babers. Should should be on on an NFL or college staff somewhere. He loves his radio show. Somebody, somebody, I mean, one day they're going to just discover that uh, he's a, he's a he's a football savant um, who 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 knows the game as a player, and he also understands tendencies, um, the psychology of the game. He checks a lot of boxes when it comes to an analyst. That's why we love having him on here. He should be on Sarkeesian's staff, to be honest. You I mean, really think so too. All the knowledge he brings, and the intensity, and the, and the love for the program and the school. I mean, it's all right there. So no, I couldn't agree. He, he comes across just, you know, so unfiltered and smart and very balanced with a lot of perspective. A whole lot of perspective and just a, just a great guy. You know, I did radio, oh, yeah. radio with him for three years and he um, just, we, we had so much fun on that show. We laughed way more than we talked. And, yeah. and it's just been a pleasure to watch him grow in this That's business awesome. and in his role and uh, one of the most popular guys in the city. That's why we have him on, Doug. Oh, so. yeah. We'll see if the Longhorns can bounce back. 6.30 p.m. kickoff. 
Is that right? West Virginia? Right. Yeah. Can't it lose sounds, game. <laughs> it sounds right. Come early just in case I got the time wrong. So we, we thank Rob Babers for coming on this week. Uh, check out our stuff on, on hook'em.com along with our, our guy, Danny Davis. That'll do it for episode 274 of On Second Thought. For the Duck Kirk Bowls, I'm said Golden. We'll see you at the game. You've been listening to On Second Thought, powered by hook'em.com. Join Seth and Kirk every Thursday at lunch for a new episode. Archived episodes are available on iTunes and Google Android Play. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.